And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Vidi Pasquantino. Pasqua means Easter in Italian. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your favorite hour of September, whatever you want to call this. It's Under the Radar, part of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast, which is presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Uh, Snoop put a good one out. That's all. I mean, the Snoop Dogg's putting out cards, so life is good. Anyway, with me as always, your friend of mine, Derek Good morning. I think I'm as relaxed as I've been in months after a beach day over the weekend. Well, get ready, because we're about to do 45 minutes of Ian wondering why we didn't listen to his audio file. It's Ian Cow. <laughs> hey, guys. No, that's all right. That's all right. It's all good. Wow. Pre-show uh, just changed the entire vibe of this whole thing. No, no, Ian's no. got another uh, discussion with Ariel Cohen and President Washington, which General Washington, I guess. Yeah, I spoke to, uh, I, I was talking to Ariel yesterday, and he said just some funny stuff. So whenever he says funny stuff, uh, I was inspired to to do another one. But this was this was actually really more personally for Ariel. So I think we're going to keep this one in the... Uh, uh, what would you say in the file cabinet? As they say. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt listening to him. Like this is very specific to his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was for him. I just figured I wasn't. I wasn't even. I didn't think that putting it at the end of another post credit scene would be good. That well, being let's just said, play it now. Let's put it in right now. Then no, no, no. But I will speak to Glenn Colton, and I will play for him, and and he will be the uh, the the decider on the 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 quality of it. I will say that I played it for my wife last night who continued to roll her eyes and say what is this about seriously. And then she said, "No, no, I get it. I actually I think I know what this is about." I said, "Tell me." She said, "You miss acting. And this is a way for you to do it." And I was like, "Yep, that's what it is. It's a it's a performance, you know. It's it it you know, you got to stay sharp on top of it." I mean, we we could have told you this 2 months ago. Right, no, totally. She was just like, she just broke it down last night. She was like, she was like, I was like, is it good? She was like, yeah, it's funny, it's funny, but it's just you wanting to sort of get your actor uh, back on, and it very much is because it's it's all about, uh, you know, it's just about being in the moment, and that's what acting really is at its best. So, uh, but no, 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 I, I, I actually, I, I felt it was a bit uh, personal to Ariel, a bit more about his life, um, but it's always fun to get a little Ariel Cohen in your life. Um, so anyway, let's, let's, let's do the yeah, show. We could do, uh, the Christmas movie, the Hallmark movie that was a uh, real or not. Right. What was that? It was that? called what was Silver it? Bells. Right. Yeah. I, I, I have some memory right. of it, but you uh, can star, you no, can be the kind hearted single father lawyer. Yeah. Okay. Right. Small town. All right. I, pro- probably not. I'm probably not. I'm, I'm a little busy with what it is, but it's just, it's a fun little side gig for me. It's a fun little side gig that doesn't get you paid. You really descended into madness. <laughs> If you're turning down Hallmark <laughs> movies to keep doing R.L. Cohen imitations, uh, ha- yeah, I, I'll take the R.L. Cohen. Hallmark Christmas over the Hallmark. movies, yeah, it's even worse. I mean, come on. On today's show, <laughs> uh, we got a bunch of fun stuff. There's some guys who are hot who you may not have noticed are hot. Um, Ian's got some usual weird stuff in there that has nothing to do with under the radar players. Uh, yep. I got a couple questions about 
You know, two guys have three steals with two very different lines. I want to know which one may have a little more value. I think I know the answer, but I want to make sure. Ian's got to do his sit-ups. It's 11 o'clock. Yeah, um, right. But I'd like to start with a former colleague of Derek Van Riper's at Rotowire. Um, Jeff Erickson tweeted about going to the NFFC uh, drafts. And I, I feel like, Ian, you're very much against fantasy football. DVR, I think you dabble. And I've got uh, feet in both pools. Um is there anything to be said? Like, can you take advantage of someone you know is only half in right now in a fantasy baseball league? If you know, like this week especially, they're going nuts. And that's, that's what kind of drove this show was like Yu Chang is on fire. Like Yu Chang is playing a ridiculous game of baseball right now. And I don't think, like I didn't know about him until I sorted my last 14 days to do the rundown for the show. I have no idea this is happening, right? Um... But you guys probably do. And because I think it's because I'm so deep in fantasy football right now. I picked up Yu Chang in the one place where he is appropriate to be rostered, in my opinion, which is AL only. Um, I spent $3 on him in $3 of my remaining 12 in AL labor. And uh, I picked him up for the exact reason you're going to talk about, which is the four home runs. The problem is he only plays against lefties. And uh, he will get an occasional pinch hit at bat also against lefties. If they bring a lefty in, they may bring him in to hit for Andres Jimenez or something else or for Bobby Bradley, really, because that's where Chang is playing most at first base. He's had a ridiculously hot two weeks. So, yeah, I picked him up. But you can't roster him in a 15-team league or a 12-team league or a 20-team league even because he's only going to get you 10 at bats a week. And you don't want that. DVR? Yeah, this is a great time to take advantage of the, hey, football season started, so I don't care about baseball crowd. I mean, I think it's reflected in some of your leagues. If you look at who's actually bidding on players still, you can tell either teams that have just dropped out because they're you know, they're going to be bottom half and they don't care, or people that are just focused on something else entirely. And the players that you're finding on the wire, whether it's Chang in a really deep league or even Bobby Dahlbeck turning things around and cutting his strikeout rate over the last 30 days, right? He's got a 21.5% K rate in his last 23 games, seven homers. When that guy's not striking out, he's really dangerous because he's got a ton of power. Uh, Frank Schwindel, who got that job right after the traded line, those types of players, even one of your favorites, Yoshi Satsugo. Yes, as those guys he's keep, on fire. Yeah, as those guys keep finding opportunities, they play enough to make an impact. And if you don't pay attention, if you don't chase them, if you don't see... Again, it's chasing playing time even more than skills for the most part. If you don't make those changes, yeah, it just max sure. out your volume the rest of the way. It does make a huge difference. And I think a lot of times you have to make decisions that are, are based on specific categories this late in rotisserie leagues. You may have yes. to drop a, a decent overall player for a guy that will only help you in one category. I mean, I think it was two or three weeks ago, at least now, that I picked up Nicky Lopez in a league. And I don't like Nicky Lopez as a fantasy player at all. And he has shown some skills growth this year, so the profile has changed slightly. But he was running like crazy. And I thought, okay, even if this is all he gives me at this point, eight or ten steals the rest of the way could be worth four to five standings points. So I'll drop a player that I think is a, a better all-round player over a full season just to have a shot at those eight to ten steals. All right. Uh, so it's. I think maybe this show is going to turn into a bit of a late season strategy show because I also wanted to get like I got a question from someone who's very smart baseball wise about Carlos Rodon, uh, asked if he can drop him, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you know he's good at least ten days shoulder discomfort. And then I thought like, 
That's a very old school organization. They could just be doing that thing where they're, you know, lying about it. So Radon will be fine for the playoffs. And, you know, I mean, he's got how many more innings pitched coming? If, you know, if Chicago goes deep enough into the playoffs, 40, let's say. Um, So I didn't, I mean, like, you know what? He could just come back for that last fine tuning in the regular season and do like five innings, nine strikeouts, you know, one run, three hits and be the guy like that one start that pushes someone from second into first or wins a head to head matchup. Um, so specifically, how would you guys approach Carlos Rodon here at the end of the season and this injury that's just popped, the shoulder fatigue that's popped up that's keeping him out for 10 days, conveniently? Uh, I don't think it's convenience. I actually think it's an issue because his velocity was down in his last start. It was noticeably down, down to 91 to 93, as opposed to 96 to 99. Um, so I, I noted it then. I own him in many leagues. Um, uh, Either I drafted him in the offseason because it was a high upside play or I traded for him in a couple of leagues as well uh, when he was on his Carlos Rodon kick because that's one of those, you know, the the pedigree is there, third pick in the draft, you know, and, and the stuff is there. And now he's got his health and his command, but now the health looks to be a little tricky. I wouldn't drop him, uh, but it's not I, – I don't think it's that situation, uh, especially with Lance Lynn going on the I.L., and Lucas Giolito going on the IL. Like they, they actually need to win a couple of games. Not to win the division. I think they've got that wrapped up. But you don't want to go into the playoffs on like a, you know, with a 350 winning percentage. So I do think it's an issue uh, for Rodon. I would not drop him unless you can pick up AJ Alexi, which is someone that we're going to talk go ahead, about. Talk about him now. AJ Alexi from Texas uh, picked him up in a number of different places. Alexi, Texas. Over the course. Alexi from right. Texas, and last night was it six innings, seven strikeouts, one hit, no runs, uh, got the win. He just looks. He's got a really interesting uh, delivery too. I was just watching a little bit of him last night. He he, he reminds me of Mike Messina a little bit. Um, but uh, Robert Mershak oh, was the one who put me onto him. I guess about ten days ago, and I've been grabbing him in lots of different places, including XFL, the 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 draft we did Sunday night. DBR. I, I don't know if you caught that. I got. AJ Alexi on a plus three contract moving forward. So he's he's somebody who is worth picking up. Guys like Glenn Otto still uh came through, looked a little looked a little risky against the Angels, but kind of got away with it and didn't didn't hurt any team that rostered him. So I, I like looking for those guys now for sure in Dynasty Leagues and in keeper leagues. DVR, did you notice that Ian made that move? Yeah, I was I was present. Were you not impressed? You sound unimpressed if you're not going to say anything. Like, yeah, good job, man. He was on my list. If if we were on video, actually, I may have thrown the list away, but I had a, I had a scratch paper of the players I was going to try and pick up in that monthly supplemental draft. Which, by the way, if you don't like grinding fab every week, and you're thinking, how can I fix this league? I'm playing in a league with weekly moves, and everybody seems to think like it's the middle of summer. Why are we doing this? You could do monthly supplemental drafts. You got to have deeper benches if you do it. I actually like that format quite a bit because then you're you're stuck with what you have, and I mean that in a good way. Like you you can't just churn and burn on the wire every single week. Maybe it's a too many leagues sort of problem again that I bump into every once in a while. But it's a good way to mix things up if you don't want to go through that process every single week, or if your league doesn't want to go through that process every single week. I was watching Alexi. I guess that was just last night. He was pitching on Monday night, the last game of the night that yeah. was on. I didn't see anything that was like overwhelming in his arsenal, but he just looks like he's got a pretty good feel with command. Like he's just going to locate the ball where he wants to, which is weird because that sort of is counter to the 
the scouting report for him, at least on fan graphs. So maybe one of those guys that has some scary-ish walk rates in his profile that won't actually walk as many guys in the long run because of that. I was sort of surprised I got Carlos Hernandez with the ninth pick. You've been talking about him for three straight weeks. Well, four straight. I've been four. loving him in every league. And four, I mean, three. It's Do you really a remember his three or four weeks? I'm sorry. I didn't mean well, to insult I just, you. No, 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 not at all. But it just, I, I remember the first time seeing him and going, what? And actually, he hasn't been striking out nearly as many guys, but he's been handling his 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 pitching, it, the number of pitches He's he's low, so he's going deeper into games, which is just huge when it comes to getting wins. You know, so many of the wins are decided in the sixth and seventh inning, and so if you can get a pitcher who's going to bring you to the through the sixth into the seventh, it gives you just such a better chance to get the win. Um, and the tricky part about it is he'll be a ten dollar player next year, and I'm not sure that's keepable um, with other options that are on that team that I, I share with Steve Gardner. Um, but I was very happy oh, we to get him, him a surprise. We can't just keep saying Steve Gardner every week and not giving him a song. Howdy. He's just such a nice guy. Howdy. I don't know. Steve Gardner. Yeah. Oh, well, wait. <laughs> I, did, I had an something. idea a few months ago, and I think DVR bleeped it out. So <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I'm like, this all makes sense. This is coming back to me now. It was not an appropriate sentence. All right. So all right. We, I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to come so up with So I used one. good judgment uh, is what you're saying. Well, no, it was funny. It Probably. wasn't appropriate for a family show. <laughs> Right, Such as this. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a funny idea. Do you want me to remind you real quick? No. No, All it's right. okay. All right. I think we're good. Fine. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned uh the supplemental DVR. I wanted like I got Cody Morris finally. He's in he's in the CBS system, everybody. Cody Morris in the CBS system. Rejoice. Um, we have the supplemental and score sheet. So I got him with my first pick, uh, which was number two overall, because my team's terrible. Um and then the second one, Scott White was looking to, to deal in. Actually, a few people were looking to get in at like this last supplemental pick before the season's over. And uh, he traded me Domingo Herman for that second pick. Um, I never actually went and looked because I really don't care. But I, I should see who we actually got with that pick that was so important. Is Domingo Herman, uh, Ian, I'll start with you since you're a dynasty guru in many ways, keepable? It depends on how many you're going to keep. He's possibly keepable. You get 10 and 10. Um, but again, it. 10 major leaguers and 10 minor yeah. leaguers. Yeah, I mean, it depends. What would his contract be? For no, it's into infinity for the score sheet league. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, if, if Domingo Herman is your, one of your 10 best keepers, uh, that's not great. So hopefully he's not one of your 10 best keepers, but if he is, and he's right on that, on that fence, I mean, you can, he's, yes, he is somewhat keepable. I'd be curious to see who we got with a second round pick. My guess is Scott's probably competing and wanted to get rid of Herman to get a player who's going to help him now. I'm, I'm trying to look this up. Is it's very correct? hard to find the draft in here, but I'll find it. Uh, yeah, okay. I, look, I know Domingo Herman's not a good guy, but uh, is he, is he, isn't he good? I mean, like he was so up and down and so crazy this year. I don't like, was he not good? DBR, what do you think? I don't know if he's a five-plus inning starter. He might be one of those guys that if they wanted to use him as a swingman, use him for two or three innings at a time, that might be optimal usage. There's a major home run issue that's probably not going to go away. He's a righty pitching in Yankee Stadium. He's had that problem for years. So unless he ends up in another organization where I think his path to being a starter long-term is a little more stable and in a less hitter-friendly environment, I have a hard time seeing him keeping an ERA like under four over a full season. I think in a score sheet format, that might be the best path for him to be useful. But yeah, he'd be pretty borderline, I think, as a 
a tenth keeper, even in a pretty deep score sheet league, just because of the the role uncertainty. Scott White selected Vinny Pasquatino. Vinny Pasquantino. Pasqua means Easter in Italian. <laughs> just in case anyone. There's your and there's your opening. Yeah. <laughs> there's your opening for the Todd, show. Todd Zola uh, took Yadiel Hernandez. This is what I mean. This is. I would have taken him, but I don't think I was going to keep him. And I think his minor league numbers are going to be up. So he's probably would be a regular keeper. Casey Sadler, Spencer Strider, Blake Hunt, Gavin Williams, Alcides Escobar, Matt Brash, Jake Woodford, Vinny Pasquantino, and Yuri Perez. That's how the that's how the draft ended. All right. It's an odd. I mean, some no, people are still in it. Some people trying to get, you know, some some help with the middle early. Yeah, I mean, Alcides Escobar is surprisingly useful, it seems. Stunning. It is yeah, it is somewhat. Glenn similar. Otto, but that's Glenn Otto example. was drafted. Sure, I bet he was drafted in the top five. Uh, he was actually n- number six. Sorry. Okay, I lose. <laughs> number six. <laughs> Andy Abanez went. Bradley Zimmer went. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm just, just thrilling for everybody. But anyway, continuing. It's under the radar. It's under the radar. That's what these guys are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let, you know, let me just bring in a guy who's not under the radar at all. Let me pull an Ian. I wanted to ask you guys about Bryce Harper because I just keep going back to him. And maybe this is like the baseball card buying stuff talking to because it seems like he's so undynamic. Um, it seems like nobody like every day, like there's a tweet like why are Bryce Harper cards so undervalued? Like why? Did, and I don't know if they are. I just I don't think people like Bryce Harper. They want Bryce Harper. And the dude's hitting 300 this year. He's hitting 301, 27 homers, 12 steals. But it's like. I feel like the entire fantasy baseball and card buying community is just kind of blah on this guy who is supposed to be like, maybe, maybe it's just fatigue of hearing about Bryce Harper for the last 15 years or whatever. But I just feel like, man, like he's having a good season and nobody's talking about Bryce Harper at all. Nobody. Ian, uh, I know you hate him because he spurned the Yankees a couple of years ago, but try and set that aside. Nah, I don't No, I, I didn't want the Yankees to sign him. Uh, which may have been a mistake. I think Bryce Harper is turning into um, a, a consistent fantasy huge asset, especially in OBP leagues. I mean, he th- these numbers are so valuable, even just in average leagues. Take away the OBP, where he's probably in the 440s, I would guess, knowing how much he walks. You know, 301 average, just, just having an average above 300, just that brings so much value, right? Then add 27 home runs and 12 steals. Yeah, I think I I I uh, I, I got to consider Harper uh, in the top 12 um, dynasty assets at this point with what he's doing consistently. It's almost better. I almost rather see these numbers than if he was hitting like 260 with 42 home runs and no stolen bases. Like these, these I just like the balance of this so much. I mean, is it, but is he going to turn around next year and hit 245? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to hit 245. I mean, I think that his bat to ball skills are really impressive and his understanding of the strike zone. I mean, I still don't particularly like the guy. I don't think he's the nicest fella, probably, but well, that's he's not, that's really not a nice good thing fantasy to say. Maybe player. he does a lot for charity and stuff. Maybe he does. But my, my, my watching of him sort of always looks, I'm always a little bit like, you know, he just always has a kind of sour look on his face. I'd, I'd be curious to see if he ever wins a championship. Uh, but in terms of fantasy ability, really good. Diver, what's this from the Rates and Barrels point of view, this whole Bryce Harper thing? I guess, you know, you got Britt on your show who uh, probably covered him. Well, actually, he was, she was Baltimore and then went to Washington when he was gone. 
but I mean, was kind of around the same metro area when he was playing. So, I mean, do you, do you ever talk about Bryce Harper on Rates and Barrels and like, you know, what he means this game? We just talked about him. It must have been the episode before the weekend because it's just weird. Like for for as good as he is, he's not Trout. He'll never be Trout. He can't do what Trout did earlier in Trout's career year over year at this point. But he's really good in his own right. I mean, he's on track. If you had to project it right now, Bryce Harper turns 29 in October, right? He is on track to be a Hall of Famer. Like he has put that sort of career foundation yeah. together. He'll probably play for another 10 years. He probably will double up on his home run total and make a run at 500 home runs. He'll probably finish somewhere close to like 70 war when it's all said and done. It's a really good player. I don't know what the deal is with the the card and collectibles market in general. It could be the fatigue. But I think it's the same as fantasy. Like no one talks about him in fantasy. No one's like Bryce Harper's my guy. I think we have hit the we, we've yeah, hit the point in the season this year where I think people are starting to look at those numbers and go, "Whoa, yeah, we we kind of just overlooked this guy as a a second rounder in most leagues that should have been a first rounder." But th- there are players that kind of move in between those spaces every year. I think with Harper, the fatigue is probably just that he didn't hit the ceiling we expected him to, but he's well above the floor that he was supposed to have. I think that's the the cool part of, of what he is as a player. I don't really know anything about him off-field. It's weird to me that he's not as much the face of baseball as we would have guessed. Like If, t- if someone 10 years ago would have said, Bryce Harper is going to be a five-win player most years, and you know he's not going to be in the playoffs for the bulk of his late 20s, but is he, the, is he the face of baseball? Is he a guy you see every time there's a baseball commercial? No, sometimes. But we would have expected all the time based on the, the trajectory he was on. And the collectible thing, I think everyone's always chasing the younger, cheaper player that can go through the roof. So there's probably value. Trout's good. Like you said, he's not Trout. Trout's values. I mean, I don't want to get too much into the card stuff because I know it's we overdo it sometimes. But like. Well, Trout has to drop now. I mean, Trout, You the, the interesting question is, who do you take first next year, Trout or Harper, in a, in a redraft NFBC style? Who are you taking first, Trout or Harper, DVR? I'm glad that became a debate again because it was fun the first time we had it, even though I was on the wrong side of it. Um, I'm actually going to be on the wrong side of it again. I'm going to take Mike Trout this time. And, and I think the, the reason why that might be a mistake is that of the two, I, I think Trout's more recent injury issues are a greater concern. Like Harper Huge. Harper used to run into walls and, and have the the young player occupational hazard type injuries that you know a little experience, a little increase in common sense would say, hey, you know what? It's great if, that, if you make that catch. It's better if you don't bust up your shoulder crashing into the wall to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's some of that that I think we've probably seen Harper kind of figure out. Maybe some of that's losing a little bit of speed over time too. But I think I'm still on Trout because the floor for Trout is still at a level that is elite of the elite among hitters. The thing you're not going to get from him going forward, at least the thing I'm not expecting to get from him going forward, are the steals. Harper is fine in that category, but he's probably not going to be great in that category. So you're not getting a lot of an advantage there. I think you likely get a better batting average, a slightly better OBP, and you probably get more power from Trout over a complete healthy season if you get yeah, but that. But that's the issue, is the complete healthy season. And he hasn't yet to give to give us one in the last uh, six seasons. Right. One, 114, 114, 140, 134, 53 in the shortened season, and then 36 right. this year. So, I mean, and the 36 this year, you have to, you, you, I mean, to me, he has to fall to the uh, end of the first round for me at this point. 
middle middle to eh, god what if i had the 10th pick Do I not take <laughs> you're not gonna take mike trout come on man i don't know i i honestly i mean this calf injury has him out for the season yeah right? i don't i don't think he's coming back i mean they well, there's no reason to come back no so i mean it's 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 really like with Mondesi, right? So we just saw Mondesi come back last week. His first game back hits a home run, steals a base. Then he's stolen like six bases in the last three days or four days. I mean, he's been just phenomenal. But, you know, I, I did get a call from Ariel Cohen saying, I'll give you that $1 bet on Alberto Mondesi for $20. Like, let's do it because there's no way he's going to get that. And you, and I kind of went, eh, I'm not really sure. I'm not, if I'm, if I would really go to 20. But the upside is there, but the danger is there. And the same has to be said now for Mike Trout. Maybe not quite to the same level as Mondesi, but in the same ballpark. And do you risk a first-round pick on a guy like that? I don't know. Or are you better off going with more safety? If he got to 10, I think, and I, if I was at 10 and Trout got to 10, I think I would have to take Mike Trout. You would have I mean, to it's crazy it, we're talking about him as not a safe play, you know? I mean, no, I know the reality. Not, I know he's the not reality a safe play. Yeah, I'm saying, like, you know. Well, yeah, it's, it's, safe, it's, it's extremely safe skills, even though the K rate was up the little bit we saw Trout this year. But it is not a safe health profile. And he can't play, and he's not going to DH ever because of Otani there. So they can't even take, you know what I mean? Like they can't get his legs, you know, relax, take it easy because Otani is your designated hitter every day. It's like having David Ortiz in your lineup. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna rest Trout by DHing him, you're taking Otani out of your lineup, and you can't really do that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ian, let's do some of your stuff. I feel bad. Okay. Yeah, I feel bad. I don't want to hog this with all my stuff. There's, there's, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no. Let's bad. get to the DVR stuff. Um, <laughs> well, first thing is uh, Glaber Torres is just not, and I wrote this on Saturday. Glaber Torres is just not a championship shortstop. I still argue that if Jorge Posada, and people hate when I say this, Yankee fans, if Jorge Posada was not the Yankees catcher in the 2000s and the aughts, I think they win another championship or even two, oh, that's right? A hot, because that's the defense, well, because the defense for a catcher is more important than the hitting. And even though Posada was a great hitter for a catcher, he was great. He was a bad catcher. He was bad at it. Like I would almost take Gary Sanchez ahead of him, and that's saying something. <laughs> you would not. Oh you're now. You're just saying this yeah. for clicks. No, 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 we, no, we no. Have, and, we have got to get you a guest spot with Mike Francesa, and you have to get this take into the ears of as many New Yorkers as possible. Well, do you disagree with it, or do you think it's uh, do you think it's right? 
I don't think I remember Posada's defense well enough, but that's, yeah. I mean, you would, you'd remember, it. I trust your judgment on this. And I, I think w- yeah. that's incredible. I, I don't think, did Posada get that much shade? I mean, Gary Sanchez is one of the most polarizing Yankees in the last decade, for sure. For sure. Was there that much negativity around Posada on those teams? Nope. And that's, I think, was missing because it was a number of things that Posada did badly. Okay. He, he, he was a terrible receiver. He also, um, was, was a really egotistical catcher. I was a catcher. I, I think a catcher's job is to put the pitcher at ease and to help the pitcher be as successful as they can be. And I remember numerous times where Posada would just go out and chew the pitcher out for any number of reasons. And then the pitcher would throw a strike right on the edge of the zone. And Posada would catch it and take it out of the zone. <laughs> like, you're making it harder on the guy. The point being, Glaber Torres at shortstop this week, it was Saturday. It was a ground ball to shortstop. Um, the third baseman, I can't think of his name for Baltimore. He played for the Royals earlier in the season. I, I, I can't think of his name. I'm sorry. No, Kelvin Gutierrez. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I needed the, I needed the help of the first name. Hits a, a, literally a ground ball to shortstop. Torres waits on the ball takes a double crow hop and then tosses the ball to first. The kid makes it, beats it out, just beats it out on a literally, it wasn't Mondesi running. It was, he's fast, but it was just a badly played by, by Torres. Next batter is Cedric Mullins. He puts it into the, into the seats and changed the complete tenor of the game. The Yankees end up losing the game. They were up three runs, and now they're up one run, and that uh, the momentum just completely shifted. And you just weren't seeing that when Torres wasn't in the lineup. So Torres, I, I, I'm just not a fan. I'm not do a you, fan do of you like the Torres. Yankees? Yeah, I love the Yankees. I really do. I, no, no, I really do. Uh, no, but but if you watch them enough and you see what are the things that are going to keep you from winning a championship, like that's a play that, that could end up costing them the season because – Momentum is so much, so very important in baseball. And you make a play like that, you lose all the momentum and they ended up losing the game. And now they, and then they lose again yesterday. I mean, they just got destroyed by Ryu and the Blue Jays. So, you know, eat nothing. So we'll, we'll see. I, I think you're going to see some, some changes for the Yankees in the next couple of days. I think Gallo is going to have to take a seat. I know I'm sitting Gallo in a number of leagues this week. Uh, well, actually just, just one that I can think of that I'm actually sitting him in. But he needs a break, man, because New York, I think I expressed this at the time when they made the trade. I was a little nervous about how he was going to handle the big lights and the big city. And he's really struggling. You know, he's he's really struggling. So, And Joel Sherman in the New York Post this morning wrote an article saying you got to take Gallo and Torres out of your lineup. That's crazy. That's ins- Look, it might not be a bright lights, big city thing for Joey Gallo. It could just be a lull or a new team or trying to hit in a different stadium. Yeah, yeah, I think, but I think it's the pressure. And and one thing about Gallo, God bless him, he he never he's the kind of guy like if he's baseball is about relaxation, and if you're not relaxed, it's really hard to hit a round ball with a round bat. And he's not relaxed; he is pressing. And so uh, I think it's I think it's really tough. I think it's really tough for him right now. And Torres, I just I just don't think Torres is a, a player you build around in any way for the Yankees. I think he's a a trade piece in the offseason. Absolutely. Go get yourself a Corey Seager or Trevor Story. That's a, a really good – or even Carlos – well, Carlos Correa. I don't know how he would survive in New York. We we, we might spend his whole contract booing him. But um, I, I just don't think that that 
Glaber Torres has the glove to play shortstop. I'm not sure he has the glove to play second base. To me, he's the third baseman. Hmm. And who needs him? Not me. No, no disrespect. I wish you would have done that. That's the, those are my that whole thing as Ariel Cohen. Nah, you, you guys. That would nah, be pretty amazing. No, I can't. No, no, I, I did one before the show. I did one yesterday, as I said. <laughs> um, so anyway, Glaber Torres. And then this, this other thing. Sal Perez is a Hall of Famer. Agree or disagree? Mm, I don't know. Man. I don't want to take being completely blown away by this season and then like do too much on it. I mean, he's had a very nice career, but <sighs> several gold gloves, a lot of All Star appearances, World Series. He's got got a World Series in there. He's, he's ticked a lot of boxes. He's and how many? He to me, he's a absolute Hall of Famer. He is, and that's one of the joys of playing Dynasty baseball. I remember when Sal Perez first came up, he was like 21 years old, right? And then they signed him to that huge contract, like that six-year, $26 million contract. And everybody was like, wow, they really got away with something there. Sal Perez is going to play his entire career for the Royals. He is he's he is a Hall of Famer to me, unless something changes, unless he falls off a cliff or gets really old really fast. I, I think that's a Hall of Fame. And his defense behind the plate is remarkable. I mean, he's just watching... Guys, got to watch how catchers receive the ball. It changes everything. It changes everything. The umpires aren't looking at the box that we're all looking at. They're looking at the catcher. They're watching the catcher's glove. And if you're able to catch the ball in such a way that it feels like a strike to the umpire, it's a strike to the umpire. That's why I say Jorge Posada cost the Yankees championships because he was, he was and Perez is as good a hitter as Posada, if not better, and a far superior defensive player. He's like a nine out of 10 defensively and a nine out of 10 offensively for a catcher. So hall of famer, no question in my mind. Well, keep going, man. You got a couple more things. Well, You're all right, roll, man. You got momentum. Don't worry about it. like, I got, I got dinky stuff that we can bring up. If we, <laughs> you know, Jared, Gerard Dyson, we can worry about later. Okay. Well, this is another, this is the same thing that happened on Saturday. This kid in left field, um, Austin Hayes hits a home run. It's after the Glaber Torres. It wasn't that directly, but Gallo goes back for it and just misses it, right? And I thought that the kid caught it, and if the kid hadn't caught the ball, that Gallo had a shot at it. So I was slightly annoyed at the kid. And then on the replay, it was How clear. Is like the ball went nine, eight, nine years old. And But then on the replay, it was clear. Like the ball went over Gallo's glove. Shouldn't you have been annoyed at, and, at his Gallo, for you know, not teaching him how to behave at a game, not the kid. No, no, right. no. Again, he's he's got his baseball glove. He makes this ridiculous catch over his head. Like, it's just a really nice catch. Like, it would be a nice catch on a baseball field. If he was playing Little League, it would have been a ridiculous catch. But even in the stands, it was just a great catch. And I literally thought to myself, that is going to be the most memorable moment of this kid's childhood. Forever. I mean, he's not going to have a more exciting moment that I can think of. Certainly in related to, I mean, maybe if he wins his, I don't know, whatever. But it's a big moment in his life. And then you hear the crowd go, throw it back, throw it back. This kid who made the catch of all time in his life is forced to throw the ball back onto the field. No, I find that instead gross. of having this That's ball, gross, man. Instead of having this ball for the rest of his life and looking at his kids and saying, I caught this ball just over Joey Gallows. It was a huge moment in my life. And here's the ball. Now he tells the story, but he doesn't have the baseball. Because he's satisfying older, horrible people. I don't know, horrible. It's no, you're right. Far. Those are horrible but, people. But it, they're, they're internet I just, I, I, 
I guess kind of, yeah. It, it it sort of has that has that vibe. Do what I know we've talked about this a lot, and people are gonna be like, "Really, we're gonna talk about this again?" But I I just think it this needs to be said like more than the Jorge Posada needs to be said. I think this needs to be, this needs to stop. Do not if you want to be an adult and throw a baseball back, you should. Fine. You want to be an idiot? I'm sorry. You wanna you wanna make that choice? Make that choice. Do not force a young person who just caught. I mean, it's not like he just picked up the ball. He literally made like an amazing catch and he's got to throw the ball back. DVR, what do you think? I don't understand why you can throw a ball back on the field. If you're throwing anything else on the field, you get kicked out of the stadium. It's part of the game, man. Unwritten rules, DVR, Diver. Unwritten rules for fans. Wow. Hard to believe they extend that far. I mean, I don't make kids throw the baseball back, period. Nando? Oh, I think it's gross, man. Like, I, I have. You know when you have those dreams where you're like, you know, you can't remember your locker combination or there's a test you didn't study for? Like, sure. I sometimes have dreams that I catch like seven foul balls at games and it's like the greatest thrill of my life. I've never done, like, I've never even come close to getting a ball at a game. Um, so, yeah, I think it's gross that you try to get this kid to throw something back. They're just jealous. They're all jealous children. Anyway. Maybe go back to Saturday and look at this play that this kid made. People who are listening to the show right now, like just go back on the MLB app and look at Austin Hayes' home run on Saturday and you'll see the catch the kid made and realize that that kid will never have that ball again. It's just, he actually had another ball in his other hand, which I think that one of the outfielders probably oh, threw to him because he was in the front maybe row. You brought one, I hope, it's the only hope that I have is that the kid was like, sure, I'll throw a ball back. I'll throw that one back. Um, but anyway, I just, it just makes me gross. Deep, uh, Nando, you do one. Cause I, and then I'll go, I'll go to my next one. Uh, well I had an interesting question, which I thought for a second was interesting, but maybe not. I think I'd like to, to tweak it. Um, what I wanted to know was, so Gerard Dyson over the last 14 days, I was doing a lot of over the last 14 daysing last night. Uh, Gerard Dyson, and Phil Gosselin both have three steals in the last 14 days. Gosselin's done it in 43 at bats. Dyson's done it in eight. I'd like to amend this to say that maybe Gerard Dyson had five and Phil Gosselin had three. And I'll give Dyson like 15 at-bats to Gosselin's 43. Um, and let's pretend that Gosselin wasn't hitting 270. Basically, the point is, if you got two guys with the same amount of steals, or, you know, one has more, one does it in fewer games, who's the more important player to have right now? Someone who's, I mean, I don't think in the last three weeks here you can really hurt your batting average. So if Gosselin was in 225, it's kind of like whatever. And I guess it's worth it to get the runs and the RBI that come along with at-bats. But is there a case to be made for Dyson? Like, you know he's going to do it. Maybe Gosselin won't. I don't know. I was just thinking about it. I'm like, it was very interesting. These two are, are basically tied with such a huge at-bat difference. But I guess you got to go with Gosselin there, right? Ian? Yeah, he just plays yeah. more. All right. He's batting third. He, they're, they're actually trying to see if they have somebody with Phil Gosselin. Maybe there's a, um, a bad combo. No, I think it makes sense because if if you're in a in a league where it's all coming down to steals and counting stats don't matter anymore, I can see doing Dyson. I did a couple of weeks of Billy Hamilton in a couple of different leagues in June, um, and that's the sort of same vibe that you would get. But Gosselin's actually a player at this point; like he's batting third in that lineup. So the the lineup goes Fletcher, Otani, Gosselin. Uh, and then Mayfield has 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 moved up in the lineup. I mean, they dropped Jose Iglesias. Uh, that was crazy. No, nah, not surprising at all, actually. In, in uh, Because they got Louis Ringifo, who they brought up. They moved Mayfield to third. They're playing Gosselin in the outfield. You know, when you, when you, when I highly recommend, if you're like a fantasy baseball, like you love it as much as I kind of love it, I would recommend playing only leagues. 
Because when you do that, and I, I kind of want to find a way to play an NL only league, you you get to really understand the you you have to dig deep on all of these teams and really understand like all right what are they doing here the fact that they cut Iglesias we talked about it last week on the show didn't we when I was talking about Iglesias coming out and kind of waving at everybody and being like oh my god yeah yeah that's when they got rid of him they were like all right yeah you, you just gotta go Jose because you, you're you're being disruptive and so they got rid of him and now the Red Sox just picked him up the funny thing I read this morning was that Iglesias's glove has gone down considerably like he used to be a magician with a glove and now he's a minus 22 runs which is shocking to me but seems to be the case that's always i remember him coming up with boston back in the minors it was always like his glove his glove his glove and no one really expected him to hit like 280 you know a light 280 but like yeah ray ordonez he was he, he really he was like a magician out there but that that's that's definitely changed you have here that elvis andrus is on your wire do you grab him what, what? Why did you ask that question? Because he's on a wire. He's on a wire in this dynasty league. That it's it's the Scott White dynasty league. It's it's shorter benches and everything. So there's some guys. A lot of bats are on the waiver wire. It's not your typical dynasty, but he's he's on the he's on the waiver wire. And I'm like, you know, some teams must have just dumped him at the end because maybe you're rebuilding or whatever. And like a team that's not rebuilding, Andrews hasn't been great. I mean, he's playing, but he hasn't been great. And this is a points league, and so you know, like strikeouts, whatever, doubles are worth more, walks, this and that. Um, and you don't have middle or like, you know, it's, it's only a shortstop, you know what I mean? First, second, shortstop, third, three outfielders. It's a, it's a tighter league, but I don't know. I was just wondering, like, yeah, I looked, he's 16% rostered. I'm just thinking like, man, he's on the waiver wire. Like, is it worth throwing a buck on him and just having that option in case he gets hot over the next three weeks or is he toast? DVR, I have a thought, but you go first. He's not playing a ton. So I, I, I'm worried that you're just not going to get enough in the counting stats. And I'm erring on the side that he's just toast, which is not totally surprising. I mean, we saw some pretty big skills loss from him in the shortened season, and that's mostly carried over. I, I thought there was some bounce back appeal. I thought he could get to 20 steals this year. He's got 12 and 14 attempts, so he's probably going to finish with about 15. Uh, there's just nothing there for power. There's nothing else for him to fall back on. So without the full grasp of the playing time at shortstop i don't think he can roster andrews outside of al only leagues right now i saw something this past weekend that made me say oh it's all over for elvis andrews which was josh harrison starting at shortstop and i went whoa because i've been following josh harrison for a long time and he doesn't play shortstop so if he's starting at shortstop for the a's that tells you everything you need to know that they they rather get Lowry in at second base and moving Harrison shortstop to get the extra bat in that lineup because Andrus just doesn't have anything to to really offer. So for me, I do not grab him other than AL only, where he probably won't be available. All right, but not for your dynasty team. No, it isn't. Well, I mean, like I'm out. I'm out of it anyway. I'm in the right, but there's no point in keeping him because there's no point in picking him up because you're not going to keep him going into next year. There's no chance. Recurring theme because all my dynasty teams yeah. suck right now. Well, actually, they're very, they're, <laughs> they're going to be that. very good in 2024. But right now, no. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll check well, back in. 2022. Hopefully I've it is. I've gotten lucky with some guys. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You also have Ranger Suarez here, and he's been really good lately. That's one of the most fascinating pitchers to me this season because of what he did as the closer and was so successful. And then once they traded for Kennedy, they move him out of that spot and start to extend him. I had him in a lot of places because I picked him up as a closer. I've now kept him in a lot of places because I'm using him as a starter. He's been really good. What do you What do you see about that DVR? Yeah, DVR. I, I want to see a consistent third pitch from him. And I know that park obviously works against anybody as a starter. But I'm somewhat intrigued, I think, in deeper leagues. So if you're in a situation like the one Nando just described, you're playing for the future. You're just trying to find guys that could be useful next season. I'm more interested in Suarez than I am in Elvis Andrews by comparison. Sure. I think there's oh, a little man. more there's a little more of a foundation there and a few ways it could go right for Suarez. There's a clear need for starting pitching in Philadelphia too. So if he does well in the final month of the season, there's a great chance that he at least is in the mix for a back end starter spot to begin next season. I mean, how can he not? He's got a one point three eight ERA and a, a one what is it? A, what's his whip? Uh 1.03 whip, 72 strikeouts in 72 innings. I mean, I, I don't know. I think he's he's for sure. He he is he's giving me some Nestor Cortez vibes. You know, like a, a lefty. You watch, you watch lefty. yourself, sir. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I mean, if you had to pick going into next season, Nestor Cortez or Ranger Suarez as your sixth starter, who are you going to take? Nestor. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I really like Nestor. I really like Ranger Suarez. I'm liking him they a lot. They could have been in the same rotation. Way, about two weeks ago, we talked about, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe it was last week, when DVR asked me who would I rather have as a dynasty pitcher, um, Nestor Cortez or Jesus. Um, well, Lizardo. Lizardo, right. And I said, I kind of hummed and hawed, and I was like, I think I'm taking Nestor Cortez if I'm. And then Lazardo went out and like threw like seven shutout innings that night. And I was like, I hey, good call, Con. But Cortez has been great, and I, I don't know. I, it just was a. It's it sort of stuck with me that he's good, or that you made that choice. All of them are that I made that uh-huh. choice. Like I, I was like, huh, I'm not sure that that was 
that was dead on right. I'm, not, I'm still not sure that that was dead on right. It was an interesting, but it's an interesting, you know, interesting play. One of the sad Wait things. Wait a second, I misspoke. Dynamics. Ranger Suarez. Who am I thinking of? Who the Yankees trade that has a name like Ranger? Mm-hmm. I have to look that up. All right, that's all right. My brain. You, yeah, you, sorry. We were talking about Ranger Suarez. Yeah, though, we were right? talking about the Ranger Suarez. So the Yankees a couple of years ago traded away a guy like to the Rangers, whose name was something like Rangers. Oh man, I'll be back. Really? You two talk. I'll be back. This is going to bother me now. Okay. This is going to hundred percent bother me because I'm. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, DVR was talking about two pitches. Um, Robbie the Grunt Ray. I just gave him a new nickname. Robbie the Grunt Ray. What do you think of that nickname, DVR? Good nickname. Deserved. Been grunting for a while, so he Bing. deserves it. So I watched him pitch, and I wanted to talk about he, – he only has two pitches, though he did throw one interesting 83-mile-an-hour curveball on Saturday. I think he pitched Saturday. Maybe Yeah, I think, I think it was Saturday that he pitched. And I've got him going in labor, so I'm always going to watch him. And uh, I wanted to talk about something where people say that spring training stats don't matter. Right? Is that do you believe that still DVR that spring training stats don't matter at all? Well, they don't matter in a statistical sense. I don't think they have any sort of predictive value, right? They're not meaningful that way, but if yeah, so I, I guess that's the, the way I would look at them. But I I'm also I'm not going to sit here and say if a guy came out and had 18 strikeouts in one walk and 18 innings in the spring that I wouldn't take a closer look and try to figure out why. Well, there was one time, and I think we were we were doing the show because I remember talking about it on the show in March, where it was his second start and he pitched two innings. And I said, "Hey guys, I'm all in on Robbie Ray this year." And he's like, "Robbie well, Ray," and I said, "He had 28 pitches that he threw the other day, and 26 of them were for strikes." Remember? Yeah, and that's just not Robbie Ray like right. at all. So that I, I and and that's a stat, and that's a spring training stat that made me say, "Oh, there's something new here." And watching him pitch, he's not walking anybody. And if you ever watch, if you like Robbie Ray for as long as I've liked Robbie Ray and been sad about watching Robbie Ray, the the one problem was he never knew where the ball was going. Now he knows where the ball is going. He also, like I was like watching him grunt. I'm like, how is he grunting so much? Like each pitch is like he's giving max effort on every pitch. So the the Blue Jays, uh, Buck Martinez said that he lifts weights twice a day. Two times a day. And if you look at him now, man, is stacked. He's like, he's like, and that's how he can do it. Because like each one of them is like another bench press. Each pitch is like a bench press. But so anyway, that's what I really wanted to say about Robbie the Grunt Ray. I got, uh, Let's see if we can get that, get that trend. We've spoken about um, Craig in Chicago, pal of mine. Uh, and he's been like sending me notes about Robbie Ray for weeks as a dark horse Cy Young winner. It's not that dark. The horse well, I mean, is pretty start, light. I mean, I mean you know, it, a month and a half ago, dark horse. Now, I guess I'm like, oh, you're right. All right. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, for sure. I, Robbie Ray is a dominant pitcher in the toughest division in baseball. I. That's it. Yeah, that's true. Guys, guys, a guys, a beast. Do you think it has anything to do with moving to the bigger stadium? No, because he was doing it down in Florida. Then he was doing it up in Buffalo. And now he's doing it in Toronto. He's got. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how early I got to pick him next year in in drafts. Like, is he a top 10 pitcher? Is he a, is he a third round pick? Is he a fourth round pick? Is he a second round pick? Listen to this. 166 innings, 
212 strikeouts in 166 innings, and only 41 walks, a 2.60 ERA, and a .99 whip. That's huge. I mean, that's like, that's, he deserves to, to be in the conversation for sure for the Cy Young. I mean, who else in the American League? Robbie Ray or Garrett Cole. But when it comes to fantasy MVP or fantasy Cy Young, that's the guy. That's the best, that's the best player for sure. Cause you're spending, I spent $3 on him, $4 on him in AL labor, and it was $44 for Garrett Cole. Well, yeah, I think, I think ROI kind of comes into play when you're talking about the best values or biggest surprises in fantasy, right? It's the guys that you got for five bucks or less in the auction that are worth 20 plus or uh, the late round picks that would be early round picks the next year for sure. Like those, those guys always sort of stand out. These are the same numbers. Check this out. So Garrett Cole has 155 innings. Even uh, Garrett Cole's a little bit better. My God. 32 strike, 32 walks only instead of 41, but still elite, elite. 215 strikeouts instead of 220. 0.97 whip, ERA of 2.73. So those are your two guys. The difference is Cole's got 14 wins and Ray only has 11 wins. So that might be the, the difference here. But, I mean, you're talking about. So where does Robbie Ray go in drafts next year? Probably in the 80 to 100 range overall. Oh, because I think it's good. No way. I think it'll be an overreact, like 50 to 60. I mean, 80 to 100 is early for Robbie Ray. Fantasy players already. You think, but you think 50 to 60? They already loved Robbie <laughs> Ray, man. Everyone sweats Robbie Ray in fantasy, and he's never delivered until just now. And now it's everyone be like, fulfilled potential, let's go. I mean, where does he? I, I, 80 to 100? No way he's getting there in any of my drafts. I mean, just no way. I mean, I can make an argument for him in the 40s. Okay, you could take him there. I mean, I, I think he's he's really good. But is this, thinking about what he's doing right now, where he goes as a free agent shapes a little bit of this. Yes. But throwing strikes the way he's throwing strikes now, he's going to be effective anywhere. Is I'm he... Looking. I mean, Go ahead. like who 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 else is in that range for you though? Let's let's put some other names around it just so we right, know. Right. Okay. What so we're really I'm looking. About. I'm looking in starting at 29. This past year's draft, Luis Castillo at 29, Glass now at 32, Kershaw 34. Uh, and then there's a big drop off for starters, all the way down to 51 for Corbin Burns, 52, Kenta Maeda, 54, Hunjin Ryu. I mean, how does he get past that spot with can, those, yeah. that, that many strikeouts? That's what I'm saying. Like, can't be 80 to 100. He's, he's the guys like Ryu were going in the middle of the fourth, and he doesn't have that level of excellence. That's the the Corbin Burns ADP from 2021 is probably the the high end for Ray because in Burns we had the huge step forward in the shortened season. Like if you look mm-hmm. at his 2019 numbers next to his 2020 numbers, and you said, okay, this was as good as it can get in 2020. How much can I pay for that? Turns out he can do that and maybe even a little better over a full season. I I, I was surprised by that. As someone who watched a ton of Corbin Burns, maybe I shouldn't have been. Uh, I would say with Robbie Ray, we have a longer track record of him being a different guy. Wasn't as You're bad right. as Burns was in 2019 either. So you, you always got strikeouts. Even when the ERA wasn't good, even when the, the control win. wasn't good. You always got strikeouts from Robbie Ray. So I, I, could, I could see, thinking more about Burns and his path, I could see that being the higher end range of where Ray goes. But I also wonder how many people have been burned by Robbie Ray at some point over the years. Well, I, I think that's what it is. <laughs> like, 
when Burns was being drafted at 51, I was like, really? You're really going to do that? Because I had him. I owned him in a dynasty league. And so I was following him through his whole career. And 2019 was so terrible. But if you owned Corbin Burns in 2020, you're going to pay that price in 2021, right? Because you saw what it was like on your team every time he pitched. And it's that sense of relaxation. It, that's that's the key. It's like, you know, are you relaxed when you know that your pitcher is pitching? Do you have the angst? Like, oh my God, this is really going to go bad. Or you're like, hey, this is going to go really well. So for me, Robbie Ray is going to get drafted in that, in that same area, 50-51, and most likely by a guy who rostered him this past year. I think that's something that's, that's, you know, misunderstood. It's like, if you, if you have had the value of having Robbie Ray on your team, you're going to want him again. I can see that. We got to go, by the way. Yep. DVR okay. and I have a hard um, out. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I'm, I've got some stuff I got to do too. I will just say that, <laughs> that I finally like dropped you Eugenio. <laughs> no, 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 I really do. It sounds like, I, I just want to say, I finally dropped Eugenio Suarez this week in TGFBI. And I don't even know if it was the right choice. It just made me really happy to do. The cathartic drop. Absolutely. Full on. I had to. Finally dropped. Look, I put it in all bold. All right. I'm, I'm happy. All caps. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the man who's going to be starring in the off-Broadway R-E-A-L, Cohen, a one-man show bringing an actuary to life on stage, Ian <laughs> It's true, actually. I mean, we've already got investors, and if they're smart, we'll get a lot more. <laughs> for the man who's going to tell him that show sucks on opening night, Derek Van Riva. <laughs> I would say it a nicer way. You know that. <laughs> Probably not. Not based on what you said before the show. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. We may or may not see you next week. Bye. Bye. Good talk. Good talk. We'll be here next week. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.